Hi everyone, Sunny here. Welcome to today's Naughty Talk Short, just a little bit of surprise content to hold you over until our next full bi-weekly episode. I've had a lot of folks ask me about creating an audiobook version of my full-length novels, and I haven't gotten there yet, but I thought this week I'd give you a little sneak peek into my very first novel, Turn the Key. Turn the Key is a dark and kinky romance focusing heavily on dollification and mind control, and also hypnokink. It's intended for mature audiences only, and some readers may find the content disturbing. This is a work of fiction. Any similarity to actual persons living or dead or actual events is purely coincidental. Now that I've got a little bit of a disclaimer out of the way, this is uh, an excerpt from the first book in my series. I do have a fourth book in the works, and the first three are currently available on Amazon. If you search for Sunny Lee Main and the Turn the Key series, you'll find it, and there's also information on my website. But without further ado, here is a little bit of a taste. Turn the Key by Sunny Lee Main, Chapter 1. I run my fingers over the thick embossed envelope for the hundredth time, tracing each edge and noting how the corners are beginning to feel fuzzy from the repeat handling. I slide the heavyweight stationery out and unfold it in my lap. I know what the letter says. Each letter already burned into my brain. Miss Beausoleil, it reads in elegant calligraphy penned by hand, we are pleased to inform you that you have been matched. I glance out the tinted window and watch the houses we are passing begin to space out over sprawling lawns and grow in size. My eyes fall to the letter again. As you have already reviewed and signed the completed contract, we will assume if we do not receive a written notice from you within three days of delivery of this letter, that you have accepted the match and the contract will become binding. I glance at the date ink neatly in the upper right corner of the page. Six days have come and gone. One week from the date of this letter's delivery, it continues, a car will pick you up and transport you to the location of your match. My mind flashes back to that night at the club. I'd dressed to kill and sipped my gin and lemon soda lightly at the bar. A woman, corseted within an inch of her life and stacked on a pair of pleasers as high as my own, had approached me. Not collared, she'd purred. I'd taken in her latex skirt and flashed a smile. Not looking for casual play tonight, I'd said, although her ass had been tempting. I'd imagined folding her over the bar for just a moment. The woman had laughed and tucked a card into the waistband of my vegan leather pants before sauntering away. I'd returned home alone that night, no one in particular having caught my fancy, and as I'd peeled the pants down my thighs, the card had drifted to the carpet. Seen the light flash against a single line of text, embossed in gold on the front of the card. Live your fantasy, it had teased. On the back had been a website and a number, 33742. I'd been feeling restless for weeks. Going to the club alone had been reckless, and I'd known I wouldn't find what I was looking for there. I'd been feeling like a caged animal, moving through the daily motions of my life. Curiosity had fanned the restless flames inside of me, and I'd flopped onto the end of my bed and typed in the URL. The number, as it had turned out, was an individualized password giving me access to the site. The contract had been available for download. The site exclusive and accessed by invitation only had been straightforward in stating its purpose. 
Leave your life behind, it had tempted, and allow our matchmakers to make your fantasy a reality. I'd gone down the rabbit hole. I'd answered the questions about myself and uploaded photos. The quiz had confirmed what I'd already known. I'd be a strong match for an older gentleman wanting a baby girl. I'd hope my match would be a daddy-dom. It was in my nature to be a good girl for a partner who wielded a gentler sort of dominance and cared for me with a firm but loving hand. The contract had made things crystal clear. Upon finding a match, I would be notified by letter. I would have three days to respond. If I did not accept the match, otherwise the transaction would be final. I would give notice at my job, notify my landlord that I wanted to break my lease, and get into the vehicle when it arrived at the end of the week. The box would arrive with the letter, and I would dress only in the outfit contained in the box. I would enter the vehicle with my dog, but otherwise leave everything else behind. My match would assume all financial responsibility for my care and settle any outstanding debts such as student loans. In return, I would belong to him. The transaction would be considered permanent and binding. While a contract granting ownership of a person wouldn't stand up in court, this one was drafted to look more like a prenuptial agreement. The match could, at his discretion, add a requirement of legal marriage and, anyway one looked at it, the terms of terminating the relationship would not be favorable. I smoothed the pale blue ruffled dress which had arrived in an ornately wrapped pastel box over my knees. It frames my small waist nicely and hugs my full breasts and hips to display my hourglass figure. I pause to stroke my canine companion's big blocky head. Citrui, my tricolored pit bull mix, snuffles like a pig enjoying the attention and the chance to go for a ride in the back of the town car. My pink, polka-spotted pig, I often call him, lovingly referring to the patches of pink and black spots on his belly mixed in with his brown and white fur. When I'd received the letter, now lying in my lap, panic had stolen my breath. It hadn't seemed real until I'd felt the thick paper in my trembling hands and read the text aloud. The letter, which had mostly read as standardized, had included only one personal element as a clue to what lay ahead. It informed me that my match was quite pleased to welcome his forever good girl into his home and that he would very much look forward to playing doll with me. Something about the phrase had stuck with me. It might have been the seemingly grammatical error in an otherwise pristine text. Playing dolls would be a strange hobby for a grown man, but then again, who was I to judge? As the three days had passed along with my chance to bail, I had imagined the possibility of release from the monotony of my current life. My concern about the wording of the letter had faded from my mind and the panic had been replaced by resolve. The car comes to a stop at the end of a long gated driveway. The house at the end, if one can even call something so grand a house, is enormous, but the flowers in the garden and swing hanging from the ancient tree in the front yard give it an air of hominess that dampens the pretension of its size. I can see the heavy vines running along the stone wall which encloses the property and gives the place a deep sense of stillness and privacy. The divider has remained closed throughout the drive and the driver hasn't spoken a word to me, but I know what's expected. I bravely open the door and, having no baggage at all, take hold of Citrouille's leash and approach the front door. I don't have time to collect my thoughts or even ring the bell before it swings open. 
Outlined in the doorframe is an older man in gray linen pants and a coarse cotton white button-down, left open at the top. His bare feet look manicured, and he gives an air with his attire of expensive nonchalance that would make him look at home on the deck of a catamaran in Cannes. Salt and pepper wisps of hair grace his temples and frame his cognac-colored eyes, bright with excitement and just a hint of palpable hunger. Welcome home, he says in a deep baritone voice, turning to allow me and my four-legged friend entrance. Citrouille runs his nose along the man's pants, inhaling like a vacuum cleaner. Seemingly satisfied with his findings, he lopes off through a set of glass sliders into what appears to be a large garden. Don't worry, the man says in a gentle but authoritative voice. The entire property is secured by the wall and there's no chance of him getting free. Still unable to find my voice, I find his hand when he offers it to me. In for a penny, in for a pound, I think to myself and take a deep breath. I manage to meet his gaze with my own green-hued eyes. Take your time, honey, he says. I imagine there's a lot to process. He begins a tour of his home, our home, while I look around with wide eyes and take in the scent of his body at my side. His fragrance is masculine with a subtle note of spice, perhaps having taken a few sips of whiskey before greeting me. This is your forever home, he begins matter-of-factly, and you belong to me now. You may address me as Daddy, and I will name my good girl once I have a sense of her personality. I'd not considered being given a new name, but given that this is a fresh start, I feel that it will help me leave my old life behind. As we reach the second floor, he opens a door at the end of the hallway leading to a master suite. The bedroom has an imposing four-post bed with luxe linens and tones of earth and forest green. The dark wood of the frame looks sturdy, and I note the glint of brass rings set into the posts. Two remaining doorways open into a parlor of sorts and the master bath. I step towards the parlor for a closer look, but I'm led by my hand into the bath instead. I find it odd that there are no mirrors in the bathroom, but I'm instantly drawn to the lovely cast-iron soaking tub. Its little clawed feet look like flowers, and I think to myself that this looks deep enough for me to soak in up to my chin. Your new life starts today, he says softly, pulling me closer. Let's wash away the old one. My new daddy begins to fill the tub with water and allows me to choose from one of the lovely colored glass bottles on a shelf alongside the tub. I choose a bottle that smells like bubble gum and he smiles as he tips the pink liquid into the tub and bubbles begin to form. He rolls up his sleeves and softly raises my arms above my head. I'm nervous, but I knew when I signed the contract that the nature of this arrangement would be intimate. I don't resist as he pulls the blue ruffles up over my head. I'm wearing nothing underneath as only the dress and a pair of slip-on white flats had been included in the box. He doesn't touch me as I expect, and I kick my feet out of the shoes, standing bare before him. Man offers me his hand again to help me into the warm water, and as I sit, he gathers my long ebony curls on top of my head with a decorative pin. I've already washed it this morning, which he will know based on the preparation instructions outlined in the contract. My skin is smooth and hairless, and I see him take notice. 
I've always felt my skin is meant to be bare and any traces of hair have been permanently removed. As I soak in the warmth, I begin to relax and he begins to wash me with a large poofy sponge. I take note that while he cleans me quite thoroughly, he touches me only with the sponge and not with his bare hands. As he stands me up to rinse away the suds, he asks me to turn around slowly for his inspection. He takes his time taking me in. I'm dried in a soft white towel and led across the hardwood of the bedroom floor until my toes touch a plush lavender carpet. Seems my curiosity will be sated as I glance around a very feminine boudoir of sorts. There's no bed because you will sleep with daddy, says the man, but this is your room, honey. I take note of a long chaise couch in a much deeper shade of purple, a small vanity set stocked with high-end lotions and cosmetics, and a matching white armoire. Across the room I find an odd little platform like the ones in a dress boutique before a freestanding full-length mirror. A lovely wooden box sitting on the vanity catches my gaze looking out of place with its masculine tones. It looks as though it belongs in my daddy's study and not in such a girly room. In time, he laughs out loud, following my gaze. He sits me on the small bench accompanying the vanity and to my surprise faces me away from the mirror. My level of wonderment grows when he reaches for a brush and carefully detangles my curls, now hanging to my waist. The man pulls a few strands away from my face and secures them at the back of my head with a large bow, this time in a soft yellow. He tilts my chin upwards and I meet his gaze for only a moment before I'm instructed to close my eyes. The towel keeps my skin from becoming chilled while I feel soft brushes trace over my face, ending with a slick one against my lips. The man brings me to stand in front of him and holds out his hand for the towel. I gather my courage and release it into his custody. Good girl, he soothes. You're doing so well. Still unable to see my reflection, I watch him retrieve a matching yellow baby doll dress from the armoire, which I can see is fully stocked with clothes and shoes. You look so lovely bare, he says. But it will be worth dressing you so that I can enjoy unwrapping you again. My feet are left bare as he sends me to the platform, blocking the long mirror from view with his body. He helps me onto the platform and slips the dress over my head with practiced ease that avoids making a single hair out of place. Finally, he allows me to turn and take in my reflection. What I see in the mirror steals the air from my lungs. My face is painted delicately, giving the impression of my fair features being lightly rouged, as if having gone for a walk on a brisk day. I can't help feeling like one of the pretty dolls I'd played with in my youth. One last thing, the man says to me as he approaches with the lovely box. He opens it to reveal a unique locket of sorts, a blend of silver and gold. It looks to be antique, with a beautiful heart-shaped charm in the center. Trop jolie, I whisper. Looking more closely, I see that inlaid in the heart is a keyhole, the likes of which are seen in historical homes and require a skeleton key to open. 
Daddy is a magician of sorts, he says calmly, as if reporting the weather. I look at him in disbelief and he laughs again. It's all right, honey, he coaxes. Daddy isn't crazy and he knows that seeing is believing. This is Daddy's collar, he says solemnly. If you put this on, there is no going back. You will belong to me completely. I meet his eyes again. I see hope there as he continues. Once this collar goes on, it will not come off again, do you understand? I nod. I'll need to hear you say this aloud, the man says, and address me properly when you do. Will you accept my collar? Yes, Daddy, I whisper, knowing that if my nerve fails me now, I will never have this chance again. It's clear in the way his visage brightens that I have pleased him. This makes Daddy very happy, he exclaims as he wraps the necklace around my throat and I feel the clasp snick closed. The heart comes to rest delicately in the hollow of my throat. Spin slowly for my evaluation, he instructs as I rotate slowly on the podium until I come full circle. The man steps between me and the mirror, gazing into my eyes and holding up an intricately crafted key. Look very closely at this key, he says softly. I follow it with my eyes as he presents it, holding it up to the light and twirling it between his fingers. You are my good girl now, he continues as I watch the key, but sometimes Daddy would also like for you to be his pretty doll. The words might normally raise alarm, but I am distracted by the key glinting in the light and his words begin to wash over me like waves. I like looking like a pretty doll, I think to myself. This is the bit that's magic, he says, as the key continues its dancing between sun and shadow in his hand, and his voice takes on an entrancing quality. When I put it in the lock at your throat and turn it, you will cease to be a person, and you will simply be a lovely doll, he says. A trace of fear crosses my consciousness but is washed away by his voice. The key draws me in and it's the only thing in the room I can see now. You will still feel my touch as always, but as my pretty doll, you will not be able to move your limbs unless I pose them. You will see and hear everything that occurs within your range of vision, but you will be unable to turn your head to look without my direction. The key moves closer, and he continues to speak in melodic tones. As a doll, you have a recorded voice box that makes only a few sounds. It can whimper, sigh, or cry out, but it cannot form complete words. He sinks the key into the lock at my throat. His movements seem again to be carefully rehearsed, and his speech flows from his lips with the fluidity of water. From this moment forward, the lock on this necklace will simply be a part of you that can never be removed, whether you are a person or a doll. When I turn this key, you will be a doll as I have described, and when I remove the key, you will be my good girl again, with all of your usual abilities returned to you. My gaze is frozen on the key in his hand at my throat. You belong to me completely as a person or a doll, and I will do as I want with you. Even when you return to being my good girl, you will see this keyhole in your throat and know what it is for. I hear a distinct click as the key turns in the lock. 
My body hinges forward at the waist, leaving my locks hanging about my inverted face. I try to right myself, but I find myself unable to move at all. I can feel that joints still exist in my limbs, but my body feels rigid in place. Beautiful, I hear the man say breathless himself this time. What a lovely doll. I feel his hands on my waist as he lifts my upper body into a standing position. He turns my toes slightly inward and cocks one hip to the side before raising my arms like a ballerina over my head. Just perfect, he praises. The man changes my pose several times more, and each time I find myself frozen in place. He takes photos. Finally, he turns my head to see my reflection in the mirror. A quiet sense of horror creeps up my spine when I see the necklace has vanished, and the heart-shaped lock is simply embedded in my throat, key still sticking out. It passes as quickly as it comes on when I hear his voice soothing me again. You have no fear when you see the changes to your body, he whispers. You are simply Daddy's pretty doll and he will play with you however he likes. There is only Daddy and the key. He slowly lifts my dress over my head, bearing my flesh to him again. He gently parts my legs so that they are wider than my shoulders and runs his hands over my breasts, pausing to play with each in turn. He reaches between my thighs and strokes me slowly. My doll has a reservoir with fluid inside of her, he says, and I always keep it full. When I touch you, it can make slick down here. I feel that his fingers begin to glide with ease as wetness pools between my thighs and he presses a single finger inside of my core. Daddy bends me forward at the waist. All of my doll's holes are mine, he says. I'll put things in them sometimes. He disappears from my view and returns with a glass object resembling an egg with a large flat heart on one end. Daddy holds the egg close enough to be sure I can process what it is. I can see initials etched into the heart for just a moment before it vanishes from view and I feel pressure and pain in my tightest opening. A whimper escapes my lips, but I have no words. After a few moments, I adjust to the object inside of me, and he brings my body to standing again. Most perfect, he says, but that can't stay in place forever, and I need to be sure that my doll is clearly marked as belonging to me. Daddy pulls a small plastic package from his pocket and also a much smaller jewelry box. He bends my left arm at the elbow with my palm facing the ceiling as if carrying a serving tray. Daddy places the jewelry box in my hand. He makes another trip to the vanity and sprays my torso with something that stings my nostrils. I wonder what he's put on my skin that makes my nose burn, but he remains partially in my line of vision as he pulls on a pair of black medical gloves, shifting my attention. Daddy carefully pulls apart the packaging, revealing something that glints in the light. As he shifts, I'm unable to look down to see what's occurring, but I feel his steady hands and pressure accompanied with a dull burning along the edge of my navel. Another small whine escapes me. He takes the box from me and I feel another pinch. 
Finally, he tilts my head downward and I see a tiny ring in my navel. The ring has a small round charm dangling from it, which I can only assume holds more engraved initials. Now you are complete, my daddy says, scooping me into his arms. His daddy carries me from the platform to the bed and lays me down. He arranges my thighs wide open. He places my hands folded neatly on top of my head. As he presses his lips against mine and his tongue runs along my lips, I'm still and unable to turn my head away or even kiss him back. His hands and tongue continue their exploration of my body, and the arousal continues to pull between my legs. Daddy leaves my field of vision again, and when he returns, I can see his body is also bare and hard. He takes my head in his hands and applies gentle pressure to my lower jaw, opening my mouth for him to press inside. I worry that I'll suffocate, but the worry is taken from me when I am reminded that dolls simply do not need to breathe. I relax and I feel my ribs stop moving, but he immediately withdraws from my throat and says, My dolly will continue to breathe and maintain a lifelike appearance. Oxygen fills my lungs again and relieves the burn that had begun there. I find my body quickly pressed beneath his own as he changes his approach and penetrates my core. This time we both inhale sharply. So tight he muses. I could come inside of you now, but my seed is wasted in a doll's belly. To be honest, Daddy has a different favorite hole in his pretty doll. I'm caught off guard when he doesn't roll me onto my belly, but instead presses my legs open into a frog position. No ropes are needed to bind me as my body holds this form. Daddy removes the jeweled heart from my bum, but I am not empty for long. He begins to use his fingers to dance along my most sensitive place, and as I succumb to pleasure, he begins to increase the pressure of his cock in my bottom. Daddy pauses to tilt my chin forward and places pillows behind my head. I'm unable to move a bit, but I am able to watch as he sinks each inch inside of me. Deeply rooted in my rear opening, he gives me time to adjust as he pumps his fingers in and out of my core and strokes my button with his thumb. When I command it, my doll will explode with pleasure and scream for me, he instructs, while beginning to move his shaft inside of me again. As the intensity of his punishing thrusts increase, I feel his muscles coil as if a beast about to strike. I hear his commanding voice. Come now, he demands of me. I scream intelligibly as my body detonates and begins to convulse beneath him in a storm of pain and ecstasy. His seed drips from me and my head lolls back as he pulls me into his lap, exposing my throat. I feel his lips on my chest for a moment before I feel a slight pressure against the key and I hear a distinct click. I'm able to lift my head again, and suddenly I'm filled with an awareness that I am human once more. You're truly mine now, my daddy says, as I curl into a ball of my own accord on his lap. Time for bed, he says, setting me aside and walking to the bathroom. When he returns, he uses a warm cloth to wipe the makeup from my face and applies some sort of ointment to my belly. After a brief knock on the hall door, 
It's cracked open. Citrui bounds in and curls up on a plush pillow in the corner of the room, clearly already finding himself at home. Daddy tucks me under the blankets and pulls me close to his chest. I feel a sense of belonging in his arms, but something tugs at my awareness, preventing sleep from taking me. I remember everything that has happened this evening, but my memories have a dreamlike quality to them. When I feel the weight of his arms around me increase and he begins to snore, I silently slip from the bed and return to the purple room. There are tall, wrought-iron lamps on the grounds outside of the window and just enough light streams through for me to see my reflection in the vanity mirror. My form is bare except for small glimmers at my navel and my throat. I run my hands over my soft skin, finding no traces of porcelain or plastic. I laugh to myself, releasing some tension. Doll, indeed, I think to myself. I lean into the mirror and look more closely and find my newfound calm is replaced by a terrified wonder. As my fingers trace my collarbones, no necklace remains at all to catch the light, and in its place, embedded in my skin, is the tiny heart-shaped lock. Daddy I wake to find the mattress cold beside me. Panic fills my chest for a moment and I wonder if maybe I've pushed her too far too quickly. Shit. Maybe she's already tried to run away. I check the bathroom finding it empty and then for the sake of thoroughness head for her room, not expecting a different result. The entire property is walled in so she won't get far but I'd really hate to have to punish her so soon. As I pass the bed, I hear an indignant chuff from the pillow in the corner of the room. I pause to ruffle Citoy's ears. Sorry, buddy, I think to myself, knowing it's past his bedtime. My hope increases and my frantic heart begins to slow. She'd never leave her beloved pup behind. I reach the threshold of my little one's room and feel my breath hitch as I take in the scene before me. Her tiny frame is sprawled out on the carpet before the vanity, unspeakably beautiful, with her fair skin bathed in the soft light from the lamps outside of the window. Her ebony curls are cast haphazardly against the purple carpet, and I begin to put together the events that have left her lying here, looking so innocent, and making me wrestle the urge to throw her legs apart and invade her again with my cock. She must have crept to the vanity to gaze at her reflection and then, my hold on her already being so strong, seen the lock embedded in her throat and simply fainted from the shock of it. The aforementioned organ throbs in my boxers and it takes all of my will not to ravage her right there on the floor. Instead, I crouch down by her side and gently fold her into my arms. She seems so fragile as she begins to stir and I know then that I'll do anything to keep her safe from the rest of the world. The question is, I ask myself, is she safe from the beast that lies inside of me? Thanks for listening to our first Naughty Talk short. I hope you enjoyed the story. Look out for all of our shorts, bonus content between episodes, which might include more chapters from the story, other erotica, and hopefully some sexy kinky stories straight from the real-life adventures of our cast. 
If you can't wait to know what happens next, check out the books on Amazon, the Turn the Key series by Sunny Lee Main, lots of dark, kinky, and also some queer content to come in the rest of the book. I'm really excited for our next episode. Again, the main show airs with full episodes bi-weekly, and I really hope you all listen.